0: Red Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Red Sox Deep Dives. Going to be talking some Chris Sale, lots of coverage this week as he is nearing a Rehab start his first live game in over a year and a half, so we'll be getting into that. Touch on Tanner Houck real quickly. He's a little further along with his rehab with a flexor strain. That's going pretty well. And then we'll talk Franchi Cordero potentially playing first base. I think that can present uh, all kinds of interesting possibilities joe goddard charlie smith back with me this episode are you guys ready let's do this all right so getting into it uh chris sale has uh basically thrown uh live batting practice off of uh some of the guys in the red Sox lineup has had two sessions so far Fastball sitting at 94 to 95 miles an hour. Uh, Here's some quotes uh, from Alex Cora within the last 24 hours. Cora says, Sale was able to throw fastballs inside, fastballs on his arm side, up and away. He was putting batters away. The changeup was good. The slider was good. That's something that throughout the process, Cora believes that, is kind of the last thing you get. The change-up command and for him to be dotting his pitches already is a great sign, says Alex Cora. So that's about as good of an update as you can get for Chris Sale.
1: Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, a tweet from Chris Cotillo of Mass Live seems to indicate that According to the way the Red Sox are treating Chris Sale, he's going to make four rehab appearances on this normal schedule that he's on now, likely at high minor league uh, opposition, against high minor league opposition. So, likely in Worcester um, or in Portland. Whoever's home, I would guess, is probably where he's going to go so he doesn't have to travel with the minor league ball club. Uh, but he's going to make four rehab appearances, and that would slate him to be back for July 30th, a game against the Tampa Bay Rays uh, on the road in the Trop for his first
0: big league start. Charlie.
2: I am so excited for Chris Sale to be coming back. I am so damn excited. I feel like it's been longer than a year. I feel like it's it's been... Jesus, I feel like it's been more than two years. Like it's—it feels it, like
1: 2018 was the last time we really saw. It crystal.
2: really does. Like that's what's crazy about it, because after you know there was the major delay before getting the surgery, the postponement of that. If they hadn't postponed, Chris still would have been back by now. But you know what? He's coming back soon. I'm going to remain positive. Take as many rehab starts as you need, because we're going to need you down the stretch.
0: Yeah, and you know, his contract got to be an unpopular signing and looked like it could be an albatross. Uh, This is kind of a weird take, but fortunately, the Tommy John happened in the earlier part of it when we weren't going to be competitive regardless, so we're we're getting him back uh, at the right time and he's gonna the Red Sox are in the lead by three and a half games at the time we record this so July isn't well actually July the second half of July is gonna be a tough month because we're gonna be facing Toronto a couple of times we got the Phillies we got the Yankees in there who we are, got
1: 17 straight games against division opponents we got Toronto New York Toronto New York Tampa Um, and it's, it's going to be a tough stretch. No doubt. The entire schedule was made up so that the division could be decided in that stretch.
0: Absolutely. And we're going to be getting Chris sale and kind of at the tail end of that. So that's going to be the point where we press the turbo button to kind of get through the last couple of months as we head towards the playoffs. If we have a big lead, or a sizable lead, let's say five or six games, and then you're getting Chris Sale back, that's probably the knockout blow for the division. So,
1: I don't think you're going to have that kind of lead. The Rays are well-rested. They're healthy, Um, with the exception of Glasnow, who's done for quite a while. They're going to be tough the the entire rest of the way here and they have an easy schedule they've got I think nine games left against the Orioles so it, it's going to be tough for us to take a commanding lead I think and the Orioles are I mean the uh, Rays are not the only competition that we have at this point I'm still worried about Toronto I know not everybody is they could make a splash at the deadline go get say a Nelson Cruz uh, a Berrios from the Twins or even go over to the National League. they could take Marquez, who's got a couple of years of team control uh, from Colorado, and give up some good prospects there because they need pitching long-term, not just for this season. So to me, I think they're going to be buyers at the deadline, and they're still scare me a little bit. We've got a lot of games left against them. The Yankees are more of a joke by the day. So it's really a three-horse race to me, even though New York is still a distant third, um, or distant fourth, rather. I'm worried about Toronto and Tampa Bay.
2: Tampa Bay always seems Oh, excuse me. <clears throat> Tampa Bay always seems to find a way to get stuff done even when they're not doing that great. I I find them to be one of the teams that you cannot discount no matter what the situation is, no matter who's working, who's not working, wh- whoever's going well, whoever's struggling. It's Tampa Bay. I mean, they turned Jeffrey Springs into someone who's decent in the in the bullpen. That's not normal. Jeffrey Springs is garbage. And in Tampa Bay, he's a new person. It's, it's just crazy, you know? Like some of these pitchers, they, they go through Tampa Bay's pitching program and they become absolute studs. So, um, I don't know. If I had to be more nervous about Tampa Bay or Toronto, I still think I'd be more nervous about Tampa Bay. Only because of the track record. Toronto's really only been good for a year. So year, maybe two. Tampa Bay's always good against us.
1: Well, no, when I when I say I'm I'm worried about Toronto as we as we record this, there are eight and a half games out. They don't necessarily worry me as far as will we win the division. I just Terry mentioned that that six game margin or that five game margin when Chris Sale gets back. We have a lot of games against t- Toronto left, and they hit very well, and our pitching is not that great. So, in all honesty, I, I think. I worry more about the head-to-head matchup with them than I do about them as a division opponent.
0: Yeah, I mean, as far as them competing, like you said, they they are eight and a half out. They're going to need at least two starting pitchers at the trade deadline to be remotely relevant. I just don't see that happening. I don't think they're. I think their pitching is going to continue to get worse as the season goes on. I don't think they're sustainable and five to, a five or six game lead does sound like a lot, but I had to drink some punch on the last episode because we're three and a half games up right now. So I didn't think that I didn't, I just didn't think we'd be this far ahead on July 1st. So I, Chris, Chris sale coming back, I think really is going to be a shot in the arm for not only the team, but the fan base the hype train for a world series is kind of slowly starting to gain momentum and i think it's going to be in high gear by the time sale comes back and i was just looking at his contract he's got 3 guaranteed years left in uh let's see so 2025 he has there's a vesting option for that season If Sale finishes top 10 Cy Young the season before 2024, which is his age 35 season, he would, um, and then not finish the year on the injured list, the option would vest for 2025. So we could potentially have him under team control for the next four years with a fully rebuilt elbow and, like I said, the last two years didn't matter. These these next four, we should be contending for a championship every year.
1: I don't think you can argue with that. No, I, I think I, we're going to contend for a while based on. I Heimblum's think so too. High uh, Bloom said today on, I want to say it was the Sports Hub, but it could have been uh, Wei. Listen to both pretty much all day. Um. He said that the goal is not only short-term success, but long-term success. And as we've seen with Red Sox GMs, they don't usually have a shelf life um, if they don't deliver a World Series. So I expect them to be competitive this year. But Bloom's goal is not to win a World Series in 2021. is to avoid the basement for 2021, 2, 3, 4, and 5.
2: I don't think they're going to be in the basement like for the next three or four years. I don't think that uh, nor, they're going to have to do be Nor cons- do I, but
1: I think it's unfortunate to, to think about. But I, I think Bloom's goal is not necessarily to win a championship so much as it is to maximize interest in the team from the fans based on putting together four or five years of competitive playoff baseball. So I just don't If see- your
2: objective is to not win a World Series in Boston... Please pack up your bags and get the gal. out. Well,
1: okay, so like, he, he might win a World Series. I'm not saying he's not going to try to win a World Series. I'm saying his long-term just said. goal is is rather to have them competitive than to go for broke and win a World Series. I don't see him pushing chips in the middle of the table and going to get you know a, a guy like Marquez or a guy like Berrios or Max Scherzer um, or any of these big-ticket guys who might be available. I don't necessarily think Scherzer is going to be available anymore. Uh, the Nationals are only two games out of first, but he could, and in other years, if this was a Dave Dombrowski team, we're probably saying goodbye to Downs. We're probably saying goodbye to Duran. We're probably saying goodbye to Ort. Maybe Casas uh, is gone. All these guys are probably gone, and he's going to get a stud reliever, a left-handed power bat, and a Steve Pierce-like guy. Because he would go for broke on this 2021 team.
0: I think the pressure. I not going to do that? The pressure's on, though. I think after this season, uh, the, he get, he gets a pass this year. I feel like, even though Agreed. the expectations seem to be, you know, climbing by the week. But every GM before him—Dombrowski, Sherrington, Epstein—had a championship by the end of their third season, and I think Sherrington did it in his second season when we went from worst to first. So. I I think Red Sox fans would start to get impatient, and I don't know if the acquisitions will come via a trade or free agents. There's Max Scherzer's a free agent this coming winter. You could take at thirty six.
1: You know, I I'd I just do I, it. and I'm I'm hesitant. I would do it too, but I'm hesitant to believe this ownership group at this point cares about the Red Sox the way that they used to. They have so many other business interests, Liverpool Football Club, uh, Roush Fenway Racing. They do hockey at Fenway in the winter. They just want to turn out a profit. And to me, that indicates that all this talk about staying under the luxury tax is probably just that. It's lip service so that they can say, oh, we're doing it for the future of the Red Sox. I just don't think they want to pay guys anymore. They have no interest in paying guys they want to be the tampa bay rays they want to drive the maximum profit revenues and if they win along the way that's cool so i just i'm a lack of faith in this ownership group lack of faith in this front office and extreme round of applause for alex cora and how he's managed to turn diamonds into uh or coal into diamonds in this
0: rotation well we'll see i mean Devers should be in line for an extension. I, I've got some theories on that, on how it couldn't happen, but um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I, I think I think they want to win. I, I think Heim Bloom is looking at what his former boss is doing right now in Los Angeles. So it was a little intense over there right now with the Trevor Bauer news, but uh, you know, at face value, at this hour, they have a juggernaut uh, that could win several championships in a row and and they've won the most recent one. So um we'll see. I, I don't wanna I don't wanna jump uh, you know, to a to a fast conclusion on what their long term mindset might be, but but Red Sox are about to get their bona fide ace back, so um the The news couldn't be more positive. He's commanding it. The one thing i I wish we could get clarification on is is he not using sticky stuff because he can do whatever he wants right now in workouts. So I, I don't know what his, don't know. what his previous concoction is, but
1: if if I had to guess, he's probably using whatever he was using previously just because you don't want to switch up your mechanics and and reaggravate the elbow. Chris Sale's going to be fine, you know whether or not he has sticky stuff. In my opinion, he's not on the level of Jacob Degrom. Don't don't get me wrong, but similar to Degrom, I think he's one of those guys who generates movement on his pitches based on the windup, where he the way he delivers the ball, and then just perfect mechanics. I, I really don't think that the movement on his pitches has all that much to do with with the grip on the baseball, so much as the fact that at six six, and it's coming at you at that sideways delivery, that the ball just is whipped. Do you? Um, and so it doesn't worry me. What were you saying, Charles? Sorry
2: for interrupting. Do you think that Chris Sale is a better pitcher than Garrett Cole? Yes, I do too. By how much? Twice as good, one and a half times.
1: One and a half times, okay. I would say so. He's probably as good a pitcher as Verlander was in 2017. I but don't want to say Verlander is using now something he hasn't else. He's pitched in a couple of years.
2: Is it safe to say that it, it, it's it's going to be expected to see some regression because you can't prove or disprove that he's using sticky stuff or another substance or something like that? Doctor Balls. His is disgusting. Uh,
1: I think I think there's definitely some regression. I think he'll be one of those guys who you can't find the before and after trends on spin rate and sticky stuff for two reasons. One, the last time he pitched in a competitive game, Spider Tack wasn't even, as far as I know, prevalent on all teams. Um, the the second piece of that he's coming off an elbow injury in which you never know what you're going to get, and he's coming back in 15 months. Usually, it takes these guys about 18 to 20 months to come back, and even then, we we don't always know what they're going to be. So, I think he'll probably get a lot of slack this season. If next season he can't put it together, and it's it's other pitches are fine, you know, his his changeup is still filthy, and his fastball is still 96, but the slider is flat. Well, then some questions will be asked. But his slider comes at you at such a nasty angle. That I think it's tough to really say. Oh, the the spider tack or the sunscreen and rosin is what's giving him that, you know, that ability. To me, it's probably just the fact that it comes out of his arms so funky, and he and he delivers it with such long arms. I'm
2: gonna Such long arms. I'm gonna reserve judgment. I'm gonna wait.
0: We've got a lot of well, hurdles.
1: You know, I'm not to... asking him to be Chris Sale of 2017. I'm not. You know, I want him to be Eduardo Rodriguez of 2018. You know, I want him to win. Two out of three times he goes out there, a little bit more, maybe, than that. And I want him to give you a, a 3-2 ERA or a 3-3 ERA. See, I'm not asking him to win a Cy Young at this point in his career. But I just want him to be the ace.
0: Reports are overwhelmingly positive, though. I mean, he's doing whatever he wants with the baseball. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to worry about it for now. And... If the sky falls and he's scuffling, we still have a very formidable rotation to 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 still grind out wins for us. So not too worried about it. Uh, let's move on real quick to Tanner Houck. He just had his third rehab appearance. I'm trying to get the quote up right now. Bear with me.
1: I think uh, he had six hits. Two earned runs, if I'm not mistaken, in that rehab appearance. Is that
0: right, Terry? Four innings, two earned runs on three hits, no walks, struck out four. So pretty good. He's getting stretched out four innings there. The uh, talk on him before the season was that he would not go into the bullpen. If he was going to be up on the big club, he would be in the rotation, and he actually did make one or two starts. Uh, early April one of them I know was against Baltimore but uh, so what's his role from here because he's further along he's one more rehab start and then could be called up if the Red Sox want to so is is Garrett Richards going to get the old phantom injury or could maybe a guy like Matt Andres get DFA'd and you're gonna you're gonna see Tanner Helk brought in to a uh, Garrett Whitlock type role. I
1: think either Andrees or Workman is the first one to go. Just – I'd like to say it's Andrees, but for some reason they like Andrees. Corda clearly doesn't because he doesn't go to him enough, um, in my opinion. But I think that's his spot, is Andrees' long relief role. And they might go one shorter in the bullpen and go with the six-man rotation. Um these guys in in our rotation have only been giving you a couple of innings of every turn out at this point, and they look, frankly, they look gassed. They look like they need the all-star break with the exception of Nate Evaldi. To me, if you go with a six-man rotation, I'm, I'm not hating it. So they might go with a six-man rotation in one shorter arm in the bullpen. I, I could see that working.
2: ice. <sighs> I can see why a six-man rotation would be ideal, but I'm if you have get a
1: five-man rotation with no Richards, but that's not going to happen.
2: I don't want Richards in the playoffs. <laughs> I, I just you, you are okay. Then saying, you know what, it's cool. It's cool if we lose Game Three. You know what, it, it's all right <laughs> if we lose Game Two, because that's what I, you're I telling your fans. He doesn't what? have a
1: spot in the playoffs. I mean, if you're going with a four-man, I don't location, think Garrett Richards will know. be
2: on the team in the playoffs.
1: I don't oh, think you okay. can well, bring I, him on. I disagree on. with that. Okay, cool. I don't cool. think he has a choice. I think I think Brandon Workman is probably getting cut before you lose Garrett Richards.
0: Well, Workman hasn't. With
1: Garrett Richards in the bullpen,
0: Workman hasn't been terrible though. I mean, I think he's been grinding. No, I just along. think
1: that Heim Bloom will refuse to admit his mistake in, in that Garrett Richards move, and. I think even though us fans, we see it as a little bit like David Price without without uh, the ability as far as the whining goes and, and the upset nature that Garrett just has, I think he's a popular guy in the clubhouse based on uh, on what we see from the dugout and what comes out in, on Twitter and how these guys continue to pick him up and not throw him under the bus. I don't think he should be. When the defense makes a bad play behind him, he throws his hands up in the air and he's all pissed off. I, I can't stand this guy. But I, I really think that Heim Bloom will put him on the playoff roster nonetheless. There, there are other guys that I would rather see. In my Win- opinion, Terry, the one guy we haven't talked about that I think deserves a spot on this team right now is Phillips Valdez. I, I would get rid of Andres for Phillips Valdez in a heartbeat. And the only reason he's in AAA and Andrés is not is because he has options. So I, I'd like to see a couple of different guys from AAA you know, make appearances for the big club pretty soon.
0: I just don't feel like they have the confidence in, in Valdez. You would just see long gaps, you know, in between appearances. And and then, you know, he just, every third or fourth time out, he just wouldn't look good. So.
1: Oh, you're not wrong. I, I mean, I wish Andrew was on this episode for one reason and one reason only. He would know more than I will. And I don't think you can. But I, I hope that MLB comes out with a mental weakness disabled list or injured list <laughs> injured because i have no sack like that is something you could put Garrett Richards on right now like i'm just lost at the i'm lost you know my Garrett Richards would be the face of that right.
2: okay oh yeah, Richards be Garrett Richards would be the face Richards of that
1: and david price they could have a little a fan club together with a couple of guys from the pirates organization you know it, it would be a a lot of fun
0: well for, h- here's the thing watch. I don't know if Garrett Richards continues to scuffle the way that he has. I don't know one that he's going to stay healthy, and number two, how does he survive Tanner Houck getting called up and then Chris Sale being activated? I just don't. I don't know how that happens.
1: Well, I think if in an ideal world he probably doesn't survive that the way that he's pitching now, and the reason I don't, I don't think that it's out of the question is, this team has built themselves on on two things. One, they never give up. They're always in the fight. Even when they're down four or five runs, That they think they can come back. The, the fan base believes they can come back. They're electric like that. And two, no one on this team makes any excuses. They lose. They come out and say, like, hey, that was on me. We'll be back. Trust us. And when they said that when they lost to the Orioles in the first series of the season, I don't know about you guys, but I was like, oh, this season's going to suck. But Cora and Xander and everybody who spoke to the media said, you know, just just trust us. Have a little patience. Well, here we are in, in July, and we're in first place by three and a half games. We have the best record in baseball. I just don't think that Garrett Richards matches the rest of the team in that sense. He is no compete. He doesn't have the ability to to throw mental fits and and have everybody listen to him, hissy fits rather. If he's going to throw hissy fits, the fan base is going to write him off. We put up with antics from guys like Manny Ramirez, guys like Pedro. If you could pitch, like we'll put up with it, but he can't pitch. He's just not, he's not good enough. So I'd be okay if they cut him. And I honestly, if they could move him for a a case of soda, do it, do it. Get his 10 million off the books, go give him to somebody else.
0: It, it could it could happen. It's going to be an interesting month for Richards and he's got a uh, start coming up against Oakland uh, in a very pitcher friendly park. So we'll uh, we'll we'll see what becomes of it. But how getting called up sale getting activated. A lot of interesting moves are going to happen as far as who gets option, who gets DFA'd uh, because it, sales on the 60 day. uh injured list so somebody would have to get DFA'd since he's not on the 40 man which is the case again if you're on the uh, well, I think 60 Michael day.
1: Chavis is probably the next guy to get DFA'd I also would not be surprised if, if based on his progress Ryan Brazier doesn't move to the 60 man injured list I think right now he's on the 30 um, and the 60 day injured list rather and, and if he's not back and healthy, they could move him to the 60-day injured list because this bullpen, frankly, has a lot of bullets.
0: I think he's starting activities again, though, which probably means he's still probably three or four weeks away at this point. But that that is another guy that, um, yeah, th- this is going to be interesting to see which dominoes fall. But I don't think Andres, by the time – Either Sale or Brazier come back. Andres is gone at that point. And Chavis, I hope so.
1: If Andres makes the cut, then we're in trouble. Chavis um, could be gone. Richards I, I could think, be gone. Who knows? I think there's a decent chance that we go two for one here in, in this this stretch as far as trades between now and, and the end of the month. We might lose two guys from the 40-man roster for one um, to get rid of some of that crunch. Michael Chavis is probably gone. Whether that's a DFA or a trade for a minor league prospect, um, that's probably a thing. And then on top of that, I wouldn't be surprised if some of these guys like uh, like Brennan, Argon, You know, these guys in AAA, making, trying to make room for some of the kids. Because frankly, we might not have a quality farm system yet, but we have a lot of kids. There's mm-hmm. a lot of guys down there who are 25, 26 years old. And at some point, we got to see Jaron Duran. People are talking about him like he's the next great Hall of Fame center fielder. I mean, he's not doing great on the road in AAA, but he's 26 years old. At a certain point, you got to just call him up, see what he has. You know, yeah. you, you can't wait this kid out till he's 30.
0: He's on the 40 man, regardless. But you, you could be right. I mean, Chavis could be traded for a guy that wouldn't be required to be put. Well,
1: so my point would be, the... he's, you, you move Chavis for somebody who's on, who's not on the 40 man, or doesn't require to be on the 40 man, right. and then you move Duran up and you cut Santana and then there's a 40 man roster spot.
0: That could right very there. well. That's a very viable scenario. Um, let's wrap up in the final segment here. Franchi Cordero has been taking some reps at first base. He was primarily playing left field with the Red Sox in that uh, stint. Charlie, your keyboard. Um and uh since he's been optioned down to Worcester he's his slash line is pretty robust. He's hitting three eighty five with a four seventy one o b p and a slugging percentage of six seventy three which is massive and he's he's hit six home runs twenty four runs batted in, and he's actually walked seventeen times, so this is a completely different player down in Worcester a guy who's got very good plate discipline. He's showing the power that was hyped all winter long, well, since the Benintendi trade anyway, and potentially could play first base. So, Joe, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I think he was just overmatched by a lot of the off-speed stuff he was seeing up in Boston. And it's twofold. Right now, he's not seeing the filthy slider, curveball combinations he was seeing in the major leagues, and he's also got a whole new confidence about him, which is, I can hit these guys, right? That's something that when he when he came to Boston, he didn't really have a spring training, he didn't have a lot of at bats under his belt. I was the first to say it's it's time to give him a break at AAA. I'm also I'm on the call him up wave here pretty soon after the All-Star break because I think he can help this ball club with the confidence that he's regained at triple A. AAA. I love that he's playing first base and I I don't think that this is just a kid situation that Alex Cora alluded to where it's like oh if the guy can play it we're going to try to teach him that because of versatility 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 I think where there's smoke there's fire and this is this might be oh, we want to call him up and have him play first base, platoon first base with, with Bobby Dahlbeck. But it might also be, hey, let's light a fire under Bobby Dahlbeck's ass. And if he doesn't perform well between now and July 31st, we can move him. There's plenty of teams that will take a flyer on Bobby Dahlbeck with the contract he's got. So I, I, that's another guy who might move. I think there's a lot of moving pieces for this team. And people just kind of think that, you know, Heinz is going to stand pat. I don't think so.
2: So... I'm admittedly not a very big franchise guy. Um, I really haven't been. But numbers are undeniable. There's this expression that I've heard. Numbers don't lie. People do. Um, I'm curious to know how many of the pitchers he's actually mashing against are ever going to be in the majors. Because maybe this is a kid that just clouts against minor league pitching. You don't know.
1: I, I the think fact it's that he can play first base. Charlie, It's probably a low percentage, but it's also a fact that not only is he mashing, like like Terry said, he's walking a lot, and he's got better plate discipline. He's not striking out. He just has a whole new level of confidence. And we've seen guys like like Mike Caver when he first came up had some great, con- you know, he had great confidence, and he went on a sixty game absolute tear. Franchi Cordero is not the future of this outfield. He's a guy you got for a couple of years, and then when the young guys are ready, you know, you move on from him or you go sign somebody else. This is a flyer guy, really. The the prospects are the big piece of the Franchi Cordero trade. Anyone who says differently, you know, is is lying to themselves. I really think that Franchi Cordero is going to get another chance in Boston, and if he can go on a Michael Chavis rookie year stretch or a Bobby Dahlbeck 60 game stretch that he had in his rookie season. That's great. You'll take that lightning in a bottle and you ship
0: them off. That's, of it. Course. That's
2: all you need. Uh, yeah, couldn't set it bare myself in that
0: sense. You know, we I've mentioned as well that Bobby Dalbec could be a potential trade chip because Tristan Casas will be up, and if Devers does get extended, he's playing much better at third base. So maybe maybe Devers. Keeps that position longer than what we anticipated, even with JD's opt-out. But the better Cordero looks in, in the coming days, the more likely I think Dahlbeck will be traded. Right now, I'm saying 50-50, whether he gets traded. But it, it, could, it could definitely increase. And Cordero, he really lost the fan base because he was just so lost, but... Also, look at what else was going on, though. I mean, Hunter Renfro at the same time was having a terrible month. Marwin Gonzalez was having a terrible month. Uh, Kike Hernandez wasn't swinging a good bat. So Cordero took the brunt of it because he was the least proven of anyone. And, you know... This was really sputtering as well. Well, you're absolutely
1: right, Terry. You know, if you have three automatic outs at the bottom of the lineup, you can't carry Franchi Cordero through some struggles.
0: And if everybody's, you have
1: Hunter Renfro, you can.
0: If everybody's hitting around him now, there's suddenly less pressure, and first base makes a lot of sense because the more we see Kike in the outfield, the more he's looking like a superstar defender. And he's gonna he's gonna play the majority of his starts out there. Alex Verdugo isn't coming off of left field. Hunter Renfro isn't coming off of right field. The outfield is set. He could see some time out there because Alex Verdugo is apparently, you know, not super durable. So maybe that's how Franchi gets into the outfield a little bit. But first base is intriguing, and we're hitting a lot better now. So I, I think we can be a little bit more patient with Franchi. I have a comp. I have a comp. Blue Jays first baseman DH that raked at Fenway. And Canarcion? And Rowdy Telez. And Edwin Encarnacion. Oh, I think I'm a Rowdy. No, I just, I think.
1: He's not Edwin
0: Encarnacion. No, but Rowdy always destroys boston but that that's that's what could happen i think a a guy that could mash i see what you're saying he's a lefty just like just like Encarnacion. i just feel like their skill sets and what if this 385 batting average 471 obp isn't isn't a fluke I
1: didn't think Encarnacion was a lefty. I might have that wrong. I thought he was a right-handed hitter. But if it's not a fluke, and he can hit 385, then he belongs in the everyday lineup. My my issue is I think a lot of guys at AAA, we did ourselves a disservice in building Polar Park uh, as an organization because if you look at the road and home splits for a lot of these guys, Duran, for example, is hitting 60 points lower on the road than at home, and that's that's the fact that there's like a jet stream going over Polar Park. If you want to hit home runs, it's like Coors Field of the minors, you know, Polar Park is. So for yeah. me, I think it's, it's really tough to evaluate the pop in the, in the bats of the young guys based on just the fact that Pawtucket seems to just have this jet stream. That's, that's causing home runs left and right. What I will buy into is the OBP. He's walking more, he's controlling the zone more and, his swing does lend itself to Fenway. I mean, he could plant the ball off the left field wall a lot. And doubles machine. And that's what the Red Sox love to do.
2: Yeah. So, I'll say this. He could be Encarnacion from from the left side. I was wrong. Um, He's a Yeah, he that's a okay. Ready. Yeah. Hey, dude, I make 20 mistakes a day. <laughs> um I could see why that comparison could be drawn because if he hits them, they are gone. Like it's not close. They're gone. So if he can keep that and actually do that in Boston, yeah, sure. I could get down with it. But it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take some time. He just can't do what he did the first time around. Good Lord. As, but, you know, oh, go ahead. Sorry.
0: Well, I was going to say, as far as the power being legit, I know Polar Park is is a haven, apparently, for home runs. But, but Cordero, last I checked, does have the furthest hit Home run this season for the Red Sox, which is around four hundred and seventy feet. So I I don't really doubt the power that much. And I wanna see it. I wanna see it one more time. So
1: do I. Uh, I wanna see it, and mostly it's because I'm I'm fed up with the lack of progress from Bobby Dolbeck. This guy, Bobby Dolbeck absolutely mashes left handed pitching. And it's almost like a pitcher hitting when he's facing a right-handed hitter, a right-handed pitcher. It's just, it's brutal. And we don't face enough lefties uh, nowadays to keep him in the lineup for a platoon opportunity without a counterpart. So if Franchi Cordero and Bobby Dahlbeck are going to split time at first base, sign me up. We have enough versatility elsewhere. Um, I like Bobby Dahlbeck's bat in the lineup against left-handed pitching. I think he is one of those guys who could turn into an Edward Bernard you could hit forty bombs a season um, if he, if he can figure out his swing. He's gonna strike out a lot. He just doesn't have that plate discipline. But if you have anything like Mitch Moreland type production from the first base spot, so you're gonna hit two, you gotta hit two forty five, and hit twenty five home runs. That's plenty, and, and I think they could combine for that.
2: Charlie thoughts or no. I um do not want to see him do what he did the first time around. And there have been a lot of rookies this year that are getting chances or players that haven't been in the bigs all that long that haven't had really long looks. The Mariners have a really big up and coming kid, Jared Kalinic yeah, and he got sent down after a really rough skid. Is hitting one hundred
1: twenty-two or something like that. Right? It was ugly. I mean but
2: shatter the kids' but, confidence. But think about
1: it, Charlie, right? The the sticky stuff is a big deal for these minor leaguers. More even in the young kids, even more so than the guys in the league now. Because if you come into the big leagues and all of a sudden the pitches are dancing, because in the minor leagues they're not using spider tack and in the big leagues they are. And all of a sudden the slider that's supposed to stay you know, on one trajectory, just dives or, or moves an extra three inches outside. That's tough to adjust to as, as a rookie, let alone, you know, let alone um, a rookie on a bad team with no idea why this is happening. You know, I really think that some of these young guys, Francie Cordero is probably one of them, who look really bad against a breaking ball. Those are guys that are going to start to get some looks in the next 60 games and start to mash. And on another note, I think there's a lot of guys who have a right to be totally pissed. Like, Kalenic is one of those guys who, he's never going to get that shot again, where he's the number one overall prospect and people are raving about him. Now he's got to really prove himself. And if he comes up and there's no spider attack and he mashes, I'd be pissed.
0: Yeah, I mean, he'll he'll get it figured out. He definitely had a quick hook. I mean, 22 at-bats is definitely a, a small sample size. I mean yeah franchi had the longest leash ever it seemed like the the first couple of too long too long. yeah so but if bobby dollbite gets optioned and starts mashing down there and franchi can't figure it out again for the second straight time then bobby's coming back if he's not traded so um i i don't i don't think it's too big of an issue and you know, maybe maybe Marwin finally he just had a good series against uh, Kansas City. Maybe he comes around and starts playing. Uh, you know, a, a more productive first base. But we'll see. We're gonna wrap though because we're we went probably about ten minutes longer than what we normally do. So hope everybody enjoyed it. Hope everybody's enjoying their holiday weekend. We will be back on Sunday night to discuss this. Oakland A Series. Jason Charlie will be with me. So stay tuned for that. Everyone take care.